It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Do the Reds really have a plan? Can things get much worse for our favorite team? And is David Bell on the hot seat? You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all platforms. I'm Stephen Offenbaker alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that passion and we have turned it into information for you. Uh, coming up on today's podcast, we've got part two of our conversation with Mo Egger from ESPN 1530. We wrap up our discussion deciding if the Reds have a plan for players once they reach the major leagues. Uh, Mo's also going to tell us whether or not it can get any worse for the Reds in 2022. And then finally, we're going to talk about David Bell's future and what it could mean for Barry Larkin. Stick around. We've got all that coming up right now. And when that's the case, when there's no sort of just clear outline for here's where we're going, here's the direction we're going in, I think the residual fallout is it, it, players just have roles that are hard to define. It's even like with Tyler Stevenson, okay, who I think is going to be an all-star one day. So, all right, he's the catcher. He's going to be the catcher moving forward. We still have Tucker Barnhart. Cool. And then at the end of last year, it's like, well, you know, we can play some first base and God, you know what? Maybe we stick him in left field occasionally. And well, we are going to have a DH and it's like, okay, all that makes sense. His bat is in the lineup. You want to, so, all right. So then we're going to keep Tucker Barnhart. Nah. Um, we're going to give him away for some failed prospect. Then, oh, okay. Well, so then Stevenson's he's the catcher. Well, for now he is. Uh, all right. Aristides Aquino. Aristides Aquino hits a thousand home runs in August of 2019. And the team was so excited about that that they went out there and spent a lot of money on two corner outfielders. Right. So, all right, pretty, pretty <laughs> obvious message. You guys don't believe in the Punisher. I don't blame you. There's a reason you non tendered him. Don't fall in love with one magical month. And by the way, in September, he was awful. And then two years later, it's like, well, actually, we think Aristides Aquino is a starting corner outfielder. <laughs> He's an absolute strikeout machine. It's painful to watch. Like sixty four percent strikeout rate. Contradict yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, so right. they they do these things that contradict. You know, Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel. This guy, number two overall pick. This guy is a cornerstone. We're gonna delay bringing him up. Cool. Uh, can he can he play second base? Now we're gonna go get uh, Mike Mustakas to do that. All right. Um, can he play third? Well, no, no, he can't play third. Well, so you're going to try him in center field. Yeah. Until they decided to not do that anymore. They go and get Shogo and they have all these outfielders and it's like, well, can he play a little shortstop? <sighs> no, we'd rather have Kyle Farmer. And so, but, but so in, on, in one breath, they tell you this guy's a huge part of what they do, but then you see the way they screw with him, And it's like, well, if he's a big part of what you do, can you pick a damn position for him and let him stay there? And, you know, obviously before he got sick, he was he was playing pretty well defensively, at least in, in center field. But it, it just it feels like with in so many instances, they never really commit to any one thing and they are always contradicting themselves. You know, again, now it's 
the small market woes. Oh, we, we, we just, we're always dealing with uh, financial inequities. All right. Well, you're the same guy that paid Joey Votto a quarter of a billion dollars and you gave Brandon Phillips more money than you should have. And you signed Homer. I mean, uh, so what are you? What, 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 what are, what are you? What are you guys? And that to me is like the biggest frustration for me is like, I know what the St. Louis Cardinals are really good. They're good at cranking out big league caliber players that get to St. Louis. They have clearly defined roles and they have success. They've had no 90 loss seasons in the last three decades. That's amazing, man. That really is. I might not like to hear it. I know what they're good at. I know what the Tampa Bay Rays are good at. They're good at uh, exploiting efficiency. They're great at that. I know what they're, and you know, yeah, does it sort of suck that they trade away their established players right at the peak of, of their value to a degree, but it works for them. They compete in this division that has Boston and New York. And so I know what they're good at. I know what the Dodgers are good at. What are the Reds good at? Organizationally, what do you hang your hat on? Where's their bread and butter? Where's the identity? And I brought this up on my show five or six years ago. Sports Illustrated had the Cardinal way on the cover. And everybody here got mad. And I'm like, why are you getting mad? It, within those pages is probably a blueprint. Maybe the Reds should copy that and, and utilize it. What's the Reds way? What is the organizational identity? What are they really good at? And I think the answer right now is I don't know. And that's a problem. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree because looking overall, when, when you talk about getting rid of Rysel Iglesias and Archie Bradley at the beginning of last year and then going through the entire season saying, hey, it'd be nice if we had a couple of bullpen arms. It's like they seem to find the one part of their team that then becomes an even bigger weakness after they've already messed with it. Because like we were talking about with left-handed pitching, that's been a terrible – any offense whatsoever has been – a struggle up to this point. And I know we've talked a lot about front office and ownership and things like that, which are not everybody's favorite topic to talk about with baseball. So let's look on the field for a second and let's ask, can it get much worse than this last week? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that was, you know, and what sucked about it is uh, we should be talking about Hunter green and what he did on Saturday night, because for five innings, I mean, it was, you know, I'm old enough to remember Dwight Gooden, and that's what comes to mind for me. It reminds me of Dwight Gooden as a rookie. Uh, it, 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 it's things in sports don't live up to the hype. And, and and by the way, I mean, you know, again, not to go back to last Tuesday, but Sunday night and Monday, there was excitement. Maybe not so much for this team and maybe not so much for this version of opening day, although there was certainly excitement for it. But holy crap, Hunter Green, did you see his debut? And for 48 hours, that's all we wanted to talk about. And then that went away. And all right, so then Hunter pitches on Saturday night, and he's transcendent. Um, but, you know, they lose again, and they lost four straight coming in, and the where you're going to go thing sort of hovers over everything. And so Hunter Green becomes a footnote. And that sucks. Like, this is the payoff. We've been waiting for this since the, the before they drafted him. Can't wait till this dude gets to Cincinnati. Holy crap. I mean, even like when he finally pitches at home, if things continue to go the way they are, that's not going to be the event that it should be. That should be an exciting thing. And cold water has been dumped all over it. And that that sucks. But no, it's the roster. The holes in the roster have been exposed. The injuries have certainly not helped. Um, 
for like the eight millionth time in my life, it, it feels like they're determined to play shorthanded because a guy got injured. And it, it just, if it could go wrong, it, it has gone wrong. And, and a lot of the things we feared about this team, um, you know, namely how it would fare against lefties, um, the, the composition of the starting rotation and the bullpen, I, you know, there's all those things have been, have been amplified, unfortunately. Coming up, we have more with our conversation with Mo Egger as we conclude that today. But I've got a shout-out Blue Nile sponsoring today's podcast. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Celebrating the special woman in your life on BlueNile.com, you can easily navigate thousands of fine jewelry options at every price point. Mark Mother's Day with something enduring. Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more are on BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring and given plenty of moms plenty of smiles on Mother's Day. So this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Reds listeners get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only going through Mother's Day. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts every day in under 30 minutes. Taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like Lockdown Reds. Also, make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcasting app, including YouTube. Thanks for watching us. If, the, if you are, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do so. Lots of great content coming for you throughout the season. Tomorrow, we are going to uh, hopefully react to the Reds not losing, but we'll see, because who knows. Anyway, let's get back into our conversation with Mo Egger. Yeah, that it's something that coming into the year I said there's it's a lightning in the bottle team, but in the sense that there's a lot of bottles that they need to catch a lot of lightning and it feels like all of the bottles have just been smashed this first week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's it it's just it's a real it's been a really ugly start to the season and there's there's no gentle way of putting it and and I certainly do believe they're going to have stretches in which they play pretty well, but I I think you at least have to explore the possibility of what does this look like if it keeps going this way, right? What what does, I mean, go back to 2018, they started three and 15, Brian Price lost his job. I think they bottomed out at six and 27. And I mean, it was, it was awful. And they played okay in June and July and avoided losing a hundred times. But I think there is a scenario in which a month from now you look at their record and you look at the on-field product and that takes center stage 
and we're not talking about how good they might be in 2024. And then what happens is, is the manager sacrificed? Um, what happens to Nick crawl? Uh, where, where does the organization pivot? How does this get explained? And more than anything, just is that the point where people are just like, all right, screw it. Call me the next time you're good. Cause again, I, it, what what was so frustrating about the way spring training began was there was this burst of excitement for, Hey, the reds are back. And I bit my tongue I, on the air that afternoon. I bit my tongue because yes, the reds are back, but they're about to trade away their guys. And I, you know, what was interesting to me was the shock that people had about Sonny Gray and Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. And I'm, I'm going like, well, when they said they were going to align their payroll to the resources, what did you think that meant? So, you know, there's this instant just burst of excitement and then they dump cold water all over it by doing what frankly most should have seen coming. And then there's excitement for opening day and there's cold water dumped all over all that because of, of Phil's comments. And every time excitement gets extinguished, you just wonder how many people go, screw it. I'm done. And I'm done for a very long time. You know, Mo, the the talk of fire David Bell has already started. Uh, we're already starting to see that. And for me, I don't necessarily see it going that way. And, you know, obviously you have, you know, great relationships with people within this team. You might be able to speak to this a little bit better. Uh, I don't ever see them firing David Bell. I could see Nick Crawl being the sacrificial lamb. But at the end of the day, with the Bell family ties to the Castellini group and the city of Cincinnati, uh, I see a, a promotion of sorts for David Bell. Move him up into the front office, move him out of the dugout. And there's always this, this lingering pull for when is this going to be Barry Larkin's team? When are they going to bring Barry Larkin in and make him the manager? And 2023, 2024 sounds like a great time to do that. To, to give Barry Larkin the greatest opportunity to manage a team in Cincinnati that's not going to tarnish his legacy. Uh, does that seem like a plausible scenario to you? You know, I haven't given that a, a ton of thought. Uh, frankly, I, I, th I think the role of manager is largely inconsequential when your roster stinks. This roster is not very good. Um, if they moved on from David Bell today, I don't know that the fortunes of the team would appreciably increase. And if they held on to David Bell for the rest of the season, uh, I don't know that that's going to have a, a major impact in, in where this team goes. I, I guess, you know, I guess to a degree, I, I, I could see them doing something for the sake of doing something, but you know, they, they exhibited extraordinary patience with Brian price. They moved on from Brian price basically because they really cratered at the start of the season. Uh, David Bell has had teams perform better than Brian Price ever did. So if I'm using history as a guide, I mean, they don't, I, 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 I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to move on from, from David Bell. I think in large part, they're not going to move on from David Bell because if they did, they'd have to speak publicly. Um, and I don't think they view that as something in their best interest right now. And I think to a degree with, again, last week still fresh in everybody's mind, if you fire David Bell, it's going to be construed as scapegoat, fall guy. This guy's taking the hit for your ineptitude. Right, wrong, or indifferent. So I think they're very, very sensitive to that right now. 
the reality is they've they've handicapped him. I mean, they, you know, that team last year, I think David Bell won as many games as any other manager would have with last year's team because of how bad the bullpen was, because of what they did to make the bullpen worse, because of some of the injuries in the bullpen. They didn't go out and get a shortstop. It's not David Bell's fault. This year's team, you know, they moved on from five former all-stars and a gold glover. That, that's a fact. Now, you might say, well, some of those all-stars weren't good anymore. They were overpaid. Uh, they, they had to move on. Fine, whatever. But, but that, that, that's a thing that happened. The optics of that, we're going to take away five former all-stars and a former gold glover. We're going to get off to a bad start, and we're going to blame the manager. What are we doing? Uh, so now in terms of Barry Larkin's role, I don't know, man. You know, there is the uh, idyllic fan part of me that is um, staring at a card that Barry sent me right now when I was 13 years old that would not want to see him in a role in which he would fail and not necessarily ruin his legacy. I got to be honest with you. I don't want to do talk shows in which I talk about firing Barry Larkin. Um, I, I also feel like, are, are we, there's a lot of thoughts I have on this. I think there's a reason why Paul Molitor didn't manage the Milwaukee Brewers. I think there's reasons why Dom Mattingly hasn't managed the New York Yankees. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like it's a neat story. It doesn't work. Go hire the best person. Coming up, we will have the conclusion of our conversation with ESPN 1530's Mo Egger. Uh, you can guarantee it is going to be a very healthy conversation about the future of David Bell and what it could mean for Barry Larkin. Uh, and if you want to get your diet healthy, and if you want to be healthy, head over to Built.com right now. Get yourself a Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It might even be a little bit better than a candy bar. Uh, you want to eat healthy. You want to have a great diet. You want to get in shape but sometimes it's just so hard and by the second or third week you're ready to just give up you're ready to go buy a candy bar you're ready to go all in on the sweets well built bar has you covered built bar is covered in 100 real chocolate and tastes just like a candy bar uh, it has amazing health statistics uh, we're talking 130 calories we're talking four grams of sugar we're talking four net carbs for you folks that are doing the keto diet and is jam-packed with 17 grams of protein. Uh, Built Bar has amazing flavors like Cherries Barcia. That's the one that I'm always ordering. Uh, got it tucked in my locker at work to get me through my overnight shifts. Uh, they've got coconut brownie chunk. They've got salted caramel and they've got many other products like uh, Jeff's Addiction, the Puffs. Uh, they've got protein infused broth uh, for uh, another way to get your protein content for the day. All of these amazing products are available at built.com. And if you head over there right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Uh, head over there today, get your diet straight, get your health goals uh, within reach at built.com using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. That's with 
no Fs. Also, make sure you are subscribed on our YouTube channel. There will be lots of exclusive video content over there that you are not going to get anywhere else. If you're watching there right now, thank you so much. Make sure you hit that subscribe button down below so that you get all of the notifications for all of the bonus content as it arrives. All right, coming up, we're going to jump into our conclusion with Mo Egger uh, talking about uh, David Bell being on the hot seat, possibly, and talking about a potential replacement if he were to go. Let's finish up with Mo right now. I, I would say this often when when um, when there was disaffection with Brian with uh, Dusty Baker, and they elevated Brian Price. And I remember talking about this in October and November of 2013, because whenever there's a managerial opening, and this doesn't just happen here, it's inevitably bring up your favorite former player, right? So the night that Dusty got let go, I was on the air, I was filling in for Lance McAllister. And it's like, all right, well, who should they hire? And it got to be a joke. In fact, it, it got to be a joke to the point that then callers were just mentioning old Reds players, because for the first like 90 minutes, it was, well, they should hire Paul, o Paul O'Neill. Well, they should hire uh, Todd Benzinger. No, it should be Chris Sabo. And it's I mean, then then it got to the point of farce where people were like, hire Bo Diaz. And for those who don't know, Bo died many years ago. Um, and I, I, I remember going like, all right, fine. C can we maybe do a search and extend the search to beyond uh, the Reds alumni list? So they hire Brian Price, Brian Price. They just elevated they didn't do a search. And I remember at the time going like, are we really sure that they went to the ends of the earth to go find the best in the world at what they do? David Bell came here as the result of a very long and comprehensive search. And again, you could argue they hired the wrong guy. That's that's fair. You could argue they hired a guy that they've never really equipped with a chance to win. I, I think that's fair. But but at the le at the very least, there was a search. And while David certainly has very direct Cincinnati ties it wasn't like, all right, here's a dude from our past. Fans are going to love him. He's going to sell some tickets. He'll be the manager. So is the idea to hire Barry Larkin um, based on this will be a neat story and Barry can maybe sell some tickets and it's going to ignite some nostalgia for those of us who grew up watching Barry play? Or do we genuinely believe he is the best available uh, candidate. And for me, the most Reds thing ever would be he's hired for the former and not the latter. If you go through a comprehensive, I mean, all encompassing, and this is the frustrating thing to me about Nick crawl. And I don't think Nick is a bad baseball executive at all, but Dick Williams leaves. And it's like, all right, <clears throat> do we get through the 2021 season and then launch into a search to go find the best in the world at what they do? In a climate, by the way, in which there's a lot of qualified baseball people without jobs because they got let go during the pandemic, do we go on a search to find the very best in the world at what they do and have them run our baseball operations? Or, hey, Nick's already here. He's kind of doing both jobs anyway. Uh, you want to move into Dick's office, Nick, or just stay here? I mean, so did they, did they really go on a search to go find the best and most qualified baseball executive? Doesn't feel like it to me. So with your manager, um, how about tapping into other organizations? How, how, how about looking at, I don't know, um, different ways to identify who the next manager should be? Does it have to be a former player? Uh, does it have to not be a former player? Can it be somebody who has never worked or played for the Cincinnati Reds? Can it be somebody who has no managerial success? 
uh, or experience? Should it be somebody who has at least some managerial experience? Like do it, whatever your next uh, managerial search looks like, make it a search because the idea that we're just going to elevate Barry Larkin strikes me as extraordinarily short-sighted. This franchise needs less short-sightedness and it needs things that are more thorough and comprehensive and all-encompassing. Everything here, it it has felt like for a very long time is sort of just close to home, right? Uh, Walt Jock and he leaves that Dick's here. He's now the guy. Oh, Dick leaves. uh, Nick Nick's the guy here. Uh, Firing Dusty. uh, Brian Price is here. He's the guy. Um, How about... They don't like to go outside that bubble. Get outside your bubble. And, you know, that doesn't mean Barry Larkin shouldn't be somebody you talk to. If he's interested in the job, yes, talk to him. Um, But is the idea hire him because he's a... If Barry Larkin was a Hall of Fame shortstop playing his entire career for the Texas Rangers, would anybody want him to be the manager here? If the answer is no, then why do we want him to be the manager now or two years from now? So I want them to... And it's not just in any realm, go and find the best in the world at what they do and bring them here, bring them here. If that ends up being Barry Larkin in any capacity, let's do it. But I, again, I, the, the whole idea of making Barry the guy, um, I, I think it's interesting that he's on television right now and, and not in an on-field or in dugout capacity. That's interesting to me. And what I wonder, does does that mean we need Barry around? We want Barry around. We don't necessarily value him in terms of player development. And by the way, that might be the entirely wrong point of view to have. Um, but we got to keep him around so he's on TV. I, I, I don't know. But but again, if, if the idea is Barry Larkin should be the, the next Reds manager, is that based on your belief that he is the absolute best and, and most available, uh, but more than anything, best candidate out there. And, and I get the sense that for a lot of people, the answer, if they're being truthful, is no. Big thanks to Mo Egger for joining us and for talking quite a bit about this Reds team that has given us so much to talk about and so very little of it being positive. And uh, actually, Steve, before we close out today's episode, wanted to surprise you a little bit real quick with a little bit of Tommy Pham talk. How about Tommy Pham? Uh, He was a triple shy of the cycle, and I think he listened to the podcast yesterday. Oh, I I heard the things he was saying about you as he was rounding the bases. It wasn't, it was not, listen, it was not the booze from the crowd in San Diego. He had just finished, listen to you and your disparaging comments about him only having one hit uh, more than me and you. So uh, he went out and took care of that. And, uh, you know, hey, I love to see it. If, if, if we got to see Tommy Pham turn a corner and catch fire and that can continue, if that's the new Tommy Pham we can expect, I'm all for it. But uh, I'm not sure that's going to be the case, but I will take a three. I'll take a three for three day. Let me tell you. I loved it because he had so many. It was a lot of hard hit stuff when it came, obviously, to the home run. But the double was really close to being a home run as well. And then a pretty nice little single there that he got. And I I think overall, if he can start turning things around, this is going to help out the rest of the lineup because, as it were, Joey Votto is not getting anything that he can hit. And unfortunately, he's trying to hit it all. That's why he his stats are so bad right now, because he's not trying to just be the guy that takes the easy walk. He is trying to get something going with his bat. And because of that, you're going to look at his stats right now, and you're going to say, 
Ugh, is he back to like 2019 version of Joey Votto or in 2020? He's not. He, he's pressing. It's very obvious to me that this entire lineup is just so crazy tense, and it doesn't really help matters that they've got one bench player that they could turn to over the last couple of days, and he's the backup catcher. But I digress. We talked a lot about roster mismanagement on yesterday's bonus episode, go, so go check that out. But overall, I, I want to see this because I feel like if Tommy Pham is getting right, the rest of the lineup is going to fall into place. Anytime a player has a, a, a triple short of the cycle kind of day, uh, things are moving in the right direction. And, you know, and I understand the, the angst around being a fan of Tommy Pham uh, with his comments when he came into Cincinnati. He's here to get his numbers. He's here to, you know, go on his revenge tour, all of the things. But he was right in what he said immediately after those comments, which was, and if that happens, it's going to help the team win. It's going to lead to wins. So you know what? Whatever the, his motivations can be selfish. I don't care. But if he has success, it helps the Reds have success. And if the Reds have success, maybe they can still right this ship. So I'm all for it. Exactly. And when your three hole hitter is hitting that well, it should really elevate the rest of your lineup. Although when your lineup is cobbled together, like the Reds was last night, that's hard to do anyway. That's going to do it for us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you all so much for watching and for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you. Now go make your second listen, Locked On MLB. It's Paul Francis Sullivan, but, you know, call him Sully. Has a unique perspective on Major League Baseball, both past and present. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds. Free and available on all platforms. Tomorrow, we'll see if the Reds win. Hopefully they do. But... Whether or not they win, what can folks expect from us, Steve? They can expect us to be locked on Reds every single day. See you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 